Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome aboard. You know, I never thought I'd be doing two shows in a row and have to remark on the loss of more than 600 lives due to three plane crashes in one week. Within the space of one week, we had the shooting down of the Malaysia Airlines jet over Ukraine, the crash of a turboprop plane while attempting to land in bad weather on an island off the coast of Taiwan, and the loss of an Air Algerie flight over the African country of Mali. Extraordinary. Later this hour, Dr. Todd Curtis from airsafe.com will join the show, and he has compiled the number of times that air crashes have occurred in threes. I think you'd be surprised at the stats he's assembled. I flew cross-country to Los Angeles on Friday, wondered if there might be an empty seat on my plane. As usual, there wasn't. I think the fact these crashes don't involve U.S. carriers and didn't happen on U.S. soil means Americans aren't as affected by these tragedies as they might otherwise be. And i got to remind you, even with these terrible incidents, getting on a plane is still among the safest things you can do in the world when you leave your home. The number of deaths from flying is still very low this year compared to previous years, believe it or not. But it's hard not to read the news this last seven days and think, what the heck is going on here? Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about the early days of jet travel, a colorful time if there ever was in aviation. William Stadium's new book titled Jet Set tells of a decade when jet travel opened the world. We'll check out the Presidential Library of Gerald Ford in Michigan. There are actually two parts of it. I don't understand why. We'll find out why. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, Todd Curtis will join us with an interesting take on the number of times air crashes have been grouped close together as they have been this week. Uh, by the way, if you bought airline stocks, almost any airline stock a year ago, you may have well doubled your money by now. A little more on that a bit later. This week, the editor of Air Transport World, that's an airline industry trade publication, called for airlines to boycott air shows where salespeople peddle weapons that can shoot down planes similar to the one suspected of having down the Malaysia Airlines flight. Karen Walker ended her week at the, she's the editor of Air Transport World, she ended her week at the uh, Franborough Air Show in England, where airline executives gathered to look at new planes and equipment and sign deals. In truth, she wrote, these air shows are also arms trade fairs, unquote. And she pointed out that while aircraft manufacturers, including Boeing and Airbus, are taking orders, they're surrounded by companies that make the kind of weapons suspected of bringing down one of their own. And speaking of those weapons, we talked last weekend with Rich Smith of The Motley Fool, who has written about defensive weapons some commercial airlines, like LL, are considering using, in this LL's case, they've actually in installed at least one that we know of, are considering using these, uh, these defensive weapons on their aircraft to repel missile attacks. But as Rich pointed out last week, the defense systems he's written about earlier this year were meant to protect planes from shoulder-mounted missiles that can just hit aircraft at low altitudes as they land or take off. Well, Rich spent this week doing a little research on this, talking to at least one manufacturer of those systems, and I wanted to check in with him today. Welcome back to the show, Rich. What have you learned? Uh, thank you for having me back, Rudy. Um, what I have learned is that the manufacturer who is starting to outfit El Al with these systems, it's called Elbit Systems, they have been rolling out the system since we first heard of them rolling it out last summer. They now have six systems installed. Are they all on LL or we don't know? 
They are all LL. Uh, I do not believe that they had set up the system with any other airlines. Uh, One interesting thing they told me about is that the systems can actually be shifted from airplane to airplane pretty rapidly. Uh, They told me as quickly as one hour to move the pod from one plane to another. And it is sort of a pod that hangs on the belly of the, or it's sort of it's, it's sort of around it's almost like a, a satellite dish to get radio stations on your car kind of thing on the on the belly of the plane, right? Shaped more like a pod, but yes, basically that. Okay, and this is only effective to bring to uh, against weapons that are shot these shoulder uh, shoulder fired missiles that are heat seeking. And the problem that is, is with the with the Malaysian Airlines uh, flight that went down, it was fired. I mean, it was thirty three thousand, thirty four thousand feet up, and that requires a. And, and those weapons are heat seeking, so it finds it, it. Or no, excuse me, that's radar guided, right? That is correct. And you saw we both talked. We talked earlier this week, both of us, about this New York Times piece quoting a Jane's. Uh, Jane's, of course, is sort of the Bible of weapons and all over the world, uh, they sort of did an expert analysis of the type of weapon that destroyed that plane. And what did, what did, they, they basically came down on what the what conventional thinking is these days, didn't they? That's right. They, they, from their analysis, what they have seen in the reports is that it was basically pockmarked uh, with a bunch of perforations, like what would have happened if one of these SA-11s had exploded below the plane uh, with the debris cloud expanding outwards and then piercing the, the aircraft at multiple points. And the idea of that debris cloud and, and all this, basically what we would think of as shrapnel going, like a shotgun going out, is to yes. make sure it hits vital parts of the plane, electrical wires, fuel lines, whatever, as opposed to just a single shot into the hull. Am I I'm yes, not an arms expert, but am, the plane. I, am I right? Yes, that is correct. Okay, and, and in your talking with manufacturers, are there defensive weapons against that kind of uh, attack? Well, there, there are for the military. For example, uh, the B-52 might have an electric, electronic warfare officer aboard it. You know, a, a very large warplane would have something like that. But, Primarily but for fighter jets, they have separate dedicated aircraft which uh, perform this electronic warfare function. Okay, but, but this for, right now it's it's not something easily or inexpensively transferred to commercial aircraft. I mean, every commercial aircraft couldn't slap it on and go with it. That's right. I, I would go so far to say it's completely impracticable at this point uh, to defend against something that sophisticated, which only states possess and usually only use against warplanes in war. Uh, no, a civilian airliner would not be able to do that. Right. I think I'm just, as Mr. Amateur here, I, I really think I'm coming to the conclusion that these uh, Russian rebels, you know, thought they were going to be shooting down a Ukrainian plane and just made a terrible mistake. That is my impression, yes. All right. Well, I, neither of us are, have the definitive word on this, but I hope it comes out. Um, Rich, thank you so much for stopping in again and, and, and bringing us up to date. Rich Smith is with The Motley Fool. You can find him at themotleyfool.com and read his writings. Appreciate your stopping by, Rich. Anytime, Rich. You know, it's just been so appalling to read uh, about the crimes, the crash scene. I know it's sprawling over several kilometers in Ukraine, but it's just been appalling to read about how that scene has been treated or not treated by investigators as late as Friday evening. Uh, investigators still were having difficulty getting in and seeing things that Russian separatists, uh, apparently all acting under different orders, were trying to bar people and so on. 
In the next hour, in the second hour of Rudy Max's World, we're going to talk with a former National Transportation Safety Board member about how a conventional crash, if there is such a thing, um, is handled and how drastically different um, this particular crash scene has been handled um, in, in Ukraine. It is just appalling. I mean, bodies treated like pieces of meat, left out in the sun. Uh, it's, it's been a disaster. This, of course, affects the ability of investigators to figure out exactly what happened and perhaps who fired the missile that destroyed that plane. Stick around. We'll be right back. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Everybody knows vacations are instantly rewarding. Instant relaxation, instant tan lines, instant margarita buzz. With the Orbitz Rewards program, the payoff comes just as quickly. Earn free hotels faster when you earn rewards instantly on flights, hotels, and vacation packages. And you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz mobile app. 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. Join Orbitz Rewards today at Orbitz.com slash rewards and get instant vacation gratification. That's Orbitz.com slash rewards or look under sponsors at RudyMaxa.com. If you've got aches and pain and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to Dave talk about Relief Factor 4. I was in a sawmill accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for 60 years. I heard about Relief Factor 4 and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled. For more information or to order Relief Factor 4, go online at relieffactor4.com. That's relieffactor4.com. TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever. Yes, every day, TrueCar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Some features not available in all states. In the first three months of this year, over 126,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,078 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third, simple. Just print out your True Car Savings Certificate and take it to the True Car Certified Dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, every day, True Car users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time, save money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. Welcome back to Rudy Max's World. You're listening to America's by far most widely syndicated radio travel show. And this segment is brought to you by our friends at Orbitz.com and who say that everyone knows vacations are instantly rewarding. Instant relaxation, instant tan lines, and instant margarita buzz. But with the Orbitz Rewards program, the payoff comes just as quickly. You can earn free hotels faster when you earn rewards instantly when you purchase flights, hotels, or vacation packages. And you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz mobile app. 5% 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. So join Orbitz Rewards today at Orbitz.com slash rewards and get instant vacation gratification. That's Orbitz.com slash rewards or go to RudyMaxa.com, the radio show website, look under sponsors. 
You know, we were talking a lot this weekend and last weekend and all week about the plane crashes, three now in seven days. Let's look back a little on a lighter note, and a serious note as well, to the beginning of the jet age. Williams Stadium, and that last name, by the way, is spelled S-T-A-D-I-E-M, you might want to note. Williams Stadium has a new book out. It's called Jet Set, The People, the Planes, the Glamour, and the Romance of Aviation's Glory Years. And I'll give you his website before our chat is is over so you can find more information. Um, This is a book that looks at the early days of the jet age. William, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Nice to be here, Rudy. Let's just take a, a 30 seconds or 40 seconds to contrast what a big step going from prop plane, or I guess really just propeller planes, to jets. What a big step that was time-wise and the reality of travel for Americans when it happened. It was a wonderful fast step because it was a very slow crawl in the old days. Been uh, before the first Pan Am jets flew in, in 1958 from uh, New York to London and Paris to begin with. It would take 15 hours to go on a Lockheed Super Constellation uh, on the same trips, and you would have to stop in Newfoundland, you'd have to stop in Iceland, you'd stop in Ireland, uh, and suddenly you could do it nonstop, and you could do it in seven and seven and a half hours to Paris and six hours uh, to London. So it's a huge change. Right, and and were these were the jets as comfortable inside as the propeller driven planes? No, they weren't as large. But compared to what we have today, it was uh, the the economy section of Pan Am would be the equivalent of a good business section today. And uh, there was no such thing as the steerage we have today. It was extremely lush and comfortable, but nothing could compare to those flying boats of Pan Am, which were like Pullman cars. They were, you know, they had compartments. They were, they were sort of like the Emirates planes today. But it on took the other forever. hand, on the other hand, Mr. Stadium, I recall that when TWA, I remember reading a stat once that to fly from New York to Paris when TWA was beginning jet service, for example, took a quarter of the average American's gross salary, annual salary. So, yeah, we're more cramped, but it's certainly much more accessible for people now, isn't it? it, You know, you get what you pay for. But no, what you did get before, (laughs) which was so great, you may have paid a larger, I mean, it was $500 was the uh, promotional fare on Pan Am in uh, in 1958, Uh, a little under $500 for for economy, uh, $1,000 for first class. But the bargain was Europe. When when they said you're up on five dollars sure. a day, they meant it. Sure. And uh, Pan Am was offering one month package tours to Europe, and very comfortable. That nothing. I mean, you were staying at nice hotels. You could stay at the Ritz in Paris for fifteen dollars. You could stay at Claridge's in London for that price. You could eat at the Tour d'Argent or Maxime's in Paris, uh, which were the two airlines that catered uh, Pan Am and Air France, uh, respectively. Uh, you could eat there for under fifteen dollars. But you could go Europe very comfortably on five dollars a day. So the Pan Am package tour to Europe for a month was $1,000. Wow. So you paid a lot to fly, but you paid nothing to be there. You basically paid for your ticket and got Europe almost for free. Give us some little thumbnail sketches of some of the principal figures. Juan Tripp from Pan Am, for example, and uh, I guess we have to include Howard Hughes in this as well, too. You're doing your Well, those were the two contrasting uh, giants of (laughs) of the jet age. Uh, Juan Tripp, who is really the father of aviation in America in terms of commercial aviation, uh, sounds like a uh, South American dictator, but he was actually a... uh, a, an East Coast preppy who had gone to Hill School and to Yale and was a, a member of Skull and Bones and, and the best clubs at Yale. And those connections were what 
enabled him to finance Pan Am, which was originally uh, a mail carrier. And, and eventually he got the route to Cuba, and the rest was history. But if you saw Flying Down to Rio, the wonderful movie with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, uh, that was actually filmed in Santa Monica mostly, but they used the outtakes of the Copacabana Palace Hotel in Rio. Uh, that really created the romance of Pan Am, which was flying down to Rio and then flying to Europe, and then those jet planes in the, in the late 50s that, that he brought on were great. Howard Hughes was the most eccentric man in the air. He was, uh, you know, he was distracted uh, from competing with uh, Juan Tripp in the jet age because he was designing brassieres for Jane Russell. That's and, true. Uh, his little Hollywood adventures. And eventually, TWA was taken away from him by a, a consortium of bankers, and only then was uh, TWA competitive in the jet age. But he was the symbol of the jet set, Howard Hughes, because he was handsome, he was a billionaire, he was a great pilot himself, and he was a Hollywood mogul. He and he was surrounded by gorgeous women at all times. He dated every actress he could, Everybody, right? from Catherine Hepburn to uh, you name it, he was there. We're talking with... Gardner wouldn't have him. She, she rejected him and drove him crazy. And maybe that's what drove him to let his fingernails grow forever and lock himself in the bungalow behind the Beverly Hills Hotel for the rest of his life. Exactly. <laughs> We're talking with William Stadium. His last name is spelled S-T-A-D-I-E-M. You can spell his book title easily, Jet Set. Subtitled The People, the Planes, the Glamour, and the Romance of Aviation's Glory Years. This is a great book that will bring you back to a time, or take you to a time that, well, very few of us knew, including Mr. Stadium, by the way, um, who I presume wasn't flying around in the early days with Pan Am and TWA. I do. I remember Pan Am. I still have my Pan Am uh, luggage tag. What? When did the worm start turning? When did the worm turned? Unfortunately, after the Kennedy assassination, and with the beginning of uh, civil rights unrest and all sorts of problems in America, the first five years of the jet age, uh, the decade from '58 to '63, were were just paradise. I mean, the world was calm. Everything was great, and uh, people wanted to go to Europe. It was the be- biggest bargain in the universe and people were going. And then once, after November of 63, things slowly got worse and more, quickly got worse and worse. And then, but the airlines had been doing so well that Juan Tripp and his uh, partner, basically, William Allen at Boeing, they, they were sending so many people to Europe that they decided to invent the 747 because the capacity, they, they, they needed the, the capacity to meet the demand. And unfortunately, in the 70s, we started with the Arab terrorism, uh, the oil crisis, the prices in Europe went out of control. And uh, for a decade, for the 70s, uh, the 747s flew empty. But uh, it, was, it was a sad time for aviation. It was the beginning of the end for Pan Am. And, uh, but throughout the 60s, still, it was still a trip and a wonderful trip to go to Europe on, on the 707 and the DCA. But you're saying there really was only about a golden decade after the invention of the jet engine or after the first uh, jet aircraft could take passengers over. That is correct. I mean, the, the days of luxury, of bargains, of comfort, of, of costing the, the average passenger like you and me, uh, that was the 60s phenomenon. I, mean, I, I actually did get to go on a couple of uh, Pan Am student charter flights. I remember $200 round trip, New York to, uh, to Paris. And I said, wow. And I felt I was the you know, king of the road, king of the air, flying on Pan Am. It was a wonderful feeling to be a student in the air like that. 
And then domestically, but, there were folks like um, the ad agency woman Mary. What was her Mary name? Mary Wells Lawrence. Oh, right. Uh, she she turned uh, she Brana turned Brana Airlines into a sexy party in the sky. She her famous campaign. She was the the queen of Madison Avenue, and she married the president of Braniff named Harding Lawrence. And together they they took a sleepy Texas carrier, which was basically a, a, a you know a Mexican carrier, and turned it into the sexiest airline the world had ever seen. They had a famous campaign called the Airstrip where the stewardesses dressed in poochy clothes, and they started in New York when it was cold with a cape and heavy coat, and they stripped down to, you know, to a microskirt, and just very little stopped them from going down to a string bikini. But that was some airline. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, those days have definitely ended, haven't they, William? They certainly have, unfortunately. <laughs> William Stadium's book is, boy, I could talk all day with him. Get the book yourself and read about this. Read about the Golden Age. It'll all come back to you long before we worried about surface air missiles or heats or, or radar-guided missiles or guys who wanted to set their pants on fire, literally, their shoes on fire. The book is called Jet Set, The People, the Planes, the Glamour, and the Romance in Aviation's Glory Years. And you can go to William Stadium's site. Keep in mind, Stadium is spelled S-A-D-I-E-M. It's williamstadium.com. You can read more about the book. William, thank you so much for coming thank by. Thank you, Rudy. It's nice to talk to you. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rudy Max's World. So glad you're here. When we come back, we're going to we're going to take a little waltz over to Ann Arbor and learn a little more about the Gerald R. Ford Presidential Library and Museum. What is it about Gerald R. Ford? We'll learn more. Rudy Max's World is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com. TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever. Yes, every day, TrueCar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Some features not available in all states. In the first three months of this year, over 126,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,078 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third, simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, every day, TrueCar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time, save money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back. It's 33 minutes after the hour. By the way, I started a new newsletter four weeks ago. Well, I guess five weeks ago now. And if you haven't uh, signed up to receive it, I think it might entertain you and you might save some money while traveling. It's free. It only comes out once a week. We're not going to fill your mailbox with a bunch of stuff. 
Uh, I don't even think there's any advertising in it. I might let you know about a DVD or something. But uh, anyway, just send me an email at rudy at rudymaxa.com and put subscribe in the subject line, and we'll start sending it to you. I think you'll find it interesting. So rudy at rudymaxa.com. Just put subscribe or newsletter in the subject line anyway, and we'll put you on the list. There is a presidential library. For many of our recent presidents, and if you've been listening to the show regularly, you know we've been talking about several of them. Today we're going to take a look at the Gerald R. Ford Presidential Library and Museum. Um, and my guest is Kristen Mooney. She's a public affairs specialist with the museum. Now, there are actually two parts, in one in Grand Rapids, one in Ann Arbor. She'll explain the difference. But before we get into the specifics, Kristen, first of all, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. And let's get the 900-pound gorilla out of the middle of the or elephant out of the middle of the room. Gerald Ford wasn't our most dynamic electric president. He was sort of a caretaker in between. Uh, what do you say to people who go, what, you got a whole museum for this guy? I mean, he was a very, I, met the, I know the guy, not well, but yeah. you know, very nice guy. Well, well he actually um, did quite a few things in his short term as presidency. Um, he obviously tried to heal the nation um, after the Nixon um, resignation, um, but he also um, was the first president to visit Japan. Um, the first sitting U.S. president to visit Japan. He also um, helped reconnect um, and create an amnesty program for the draft dodgers so that they oh, could work their right. way back into the good graces. Um, yeah, he did quite a few things that people, that, that kind of fly under the radar. Okay. All right. So now give me the explanation of why there's a, there's a portion of this museum in Ann Arbor and part of it is in Grand Rapids. Well, he never really had the ambition to become president. That wasn't in his goal. So what he started to do was deed his papers while he was a congressman for the um, state of Michigan to the University of Michigan, where he, that was his alma mater. And then when he became president, he decided to leave the um, two-dimensional artifacts, uh, the papers, the documents, um, that type of thing, in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan's campus, and then create the museum where visitors would come in his hometown of Grand Rapids. All right, so papers are in, uh, in, at the university in Ann Arbor, yep. and more of a museum. Now, what's in the museum? Well, we walk through. Um, if you come, you start out in our 70s disco, and it kind of sets the stage for what was going on in America during the time when Ford took over presidency. And then um, you go into the Watergate section, and that kind of explains how the nation became aware of Gerald Ford. And then we tell his life story, his years in Congress, um, his years in the Navy, uh, as well as then his years during the presidency and then after the presidency. Well, is there like a recreation of his office or his library? Is his pipe there? What do we got? Yeah, we've got an Oval Office. Um, you can look in and see how it was decorated during Ford's time. We've got some of his personal artifacts in there. We also have a cabinet room that visitors can sit down and actually act as an advisor for President Ford on some of the key issues he dealt with. Wait a minute. What do you mean act, act, visitors can act as an advisor? Well, it's an interactive display, yeah. and um, it's been running since, oh, I want to say 2000, and um, it tabulates, it collects all of the different data that the visitors have inputted. Like on the pardon, how would you have advised him? Would you have advised ah. him to, you know, give Nixon a full pardon or that type of thing, or, you know, giving him a pardon with some uh, hinges and that, or, or not pardoned him at all. So how, it, how it is, gives the visitors a chance to give their voice out. And how is sentiment, uh, how is the advice to the late president going in this case? 
Well, actually, it's shown that he made the right choice. Most people have okay. said, you know, just get on with it, give him a pardon, and move forward. So, so history has shown he made the right choice. Now, how long, give me an idea of time. So if I come to, uh, to the museum, which is in Grand Rapids, to the Ford Museum, mm-hmm. um, do I allocate three or four hours, a couple hours? A couple hours, hour and a half to two hours. And mm-hmm. there, um, some people come in the morning, leave for lunch, come back, finish up in the afternoon. That, that makes a good day of it. And is it open seven days a week? It is. Okay. I, gosh, I'm surprised. It opened in 1981. You know, I, I just had lunch yesterday with one of President Ford's advise, former advisors uh, here in Los Angeles, where I'm broadcasting from this weekend. And uh, so to me, the Ford presidency and my, my buddy Don Penny, who wrote a lot of his speeches and jokes and was a close friend of his, um, I mean, it seems to me like it was about 10 years ago. But this museum opened, what, 20, how many, 81, that's 20, 33 years ago. Yes, yep. Yep, and we're actually coming up on the 40th anniversary of Ford's presidency here on August 9th. And are we doing some big big stuff? Um, we are. We're going to do a year-long, kind of, well, actually not year-long, more than that, um, obviously, through his presidency. Um, we're going to do large speakers that kind of focus on the history and, you know, how, how history is looked back over the Ford presidency. So it should be a good good celebration. Lovely. So if you're a traveler who collects presidential museums, and by the way, I have met folks who do that, Folks who collect state capitals, collect presidential museums, not collect them, but want to hit them all. Uh, the website is the FordLibraryMuseum.gov. That's FordLibraryMuseum.gov. We've been talking with Kristen Mooney. She's a public affairs specialist at the Gerald R. Ford Presidential Library and Museum in Michigan. Kristen, thanks for dropping by. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll be right back here in Rudy Max's World. We're going to go to another museum that's uh, the museum that Walmart Money built in Bentonville, Arkansas. Now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. At last, Nexium, the purple pill, is available without a prescription for frequent heartburn. See those women drinking their iced mocha whatevers? Now they have Nexium level protection. That guy struggling to text and eat soup at the same time? Him too. Introducing Nexium 24 Hour, the protection of the number one prescribed acid blocking brand, just without the prescription. New Nexium 24-Hour. Nexium-level protection, now in the heartburn aisle. May take one to four days. Use as directed to treat frequent heartburn, not for immediate relief. If you've got aches and pain and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to Dave talk about Relief Factor 4. I was in a sawmill accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for 60 years. I heard about Relief Factor 4 and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled. For more information or to order Relief Factor 4, go online at relieffactor4.com. That's relieffactor4.com. We all know the Internet connects you to everyone. But ever think how the Internet also connects everyone to you? It's a recipe for identity theft. Thieves can get to our personal info with just a few clicks. So isn't it crazy not to have identity theft protection? I know I've got all kinds of sensitive information floating around online. The good news is you can help protect yourself with a free trial from Identity Guard by visiting IdentityGuard.com slash free. 
TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever. Yes, every day, TrueCar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Some features not available in all states. In the first three months of this year, over 126,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,078 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third, simple. Just print out your True Car Savings Certificate and take it to the True Car Certified Dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, every day, True Car users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time, save money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Everybody knows vacations are instantly rewarding. Instant relaxation, instant tan lines, instant margarita buzz. With the Orbitz Rewards Program, the payoff comes just as quickly. Earn free hotels faster when you earn rewards instantly on flights, hotels, and vacation packages. And you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz mobile app. 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. Join Orbitz Rewards today at Orbitz.com slash rewards and get instant vacation gratification. That's Orbitz.com slash rewards or look under sponsors at RudyMaxa.com. To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's World. Forbes magazine lists four Waltons and their family members among the ten wealthiest Americans with a combined net worth in excess of 80, $84 billion. That's $84 billion. Um, that's a lot of money. And some of that money, uh, nearly a billion, well, about 800 million of it, has gone to build a museum that I'm not familiar with, and I, or excuse me, I haven't visited, let's put it that way, in Bentonville, Arkansas, which happens to be the home of uh, Walmart, uh, which is the basis of the fortune for the family that has endowed Crystal Bridges Museum. It's a museum dedicated to American art. It's actually called the Crystal Bridges Museum. Uh, uh, a, a Museum of American Art. It has just celebrated the arrival of its one millionth visitor, and I'm delighted to j- have uh, the communications director of the uh, museum join me, Laura Jacobs. Laura, nice to have you here. I'm, I always love to hear about these amazing museums that I that I have not visited. Um, and it was this was just founded, just opened the door. What in 2011? Yes. Hi, Rudy. Thanks for having me on your program today. Crystal Bridges opened on 11-11-11, and um, as you mentioned, we just celebrated welcoming our one millionth guest. So we're so excited about the public response, and I can't wait to get you to the museum. Well, I can't wait to get there either. Walmart heiress Alice Walton seems to be, of the family members, the driving force behind the creation of this museum. Why? Is she an artist? Uh, Has she had a lifelong penchant for art? What prompted it? You know, that's a great question, and and Alice Walton, who is the the daughter of Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart Stores, and Helen Walton, Alice's mother, exposed her to art at a young age. She did watercolor paintings in the kitchen. The family would take trips to museums around the country because we didn't have museums here in this region, um, except for maybe Tulsa might have been the closest at that time, and her love for art grew. When Alice became an adult, she began collecting art, and at some point, her art collection had grown to the point where she began to consider next steps and what, what would she want to do. And she 
dreamed of having a museum here in Bentonville, Arkansas, and that's that's exactly what she did. Now, I've, if you go to the website, which is uh, crystalbridges.org, you'll get, a, you'll get an idea of the architecture of this museum. Uh, there are water elements. It's a very modern, looks like a very uh, light-filled museum. Who is the architect for this, uh, the Crystal Bridges Museum? The architect is Moshe Softy. He's a Boston-based ah, architect, and he's done a number of very significant cultural projects around the globe. And um, we were so fortunate that um, Alice chose to engage Moshe in this project. Um, I don't know if it's apparent from the pictures that you've seen, but the museum is nestled in a ravine spanning a creek bed. So those water elements that you describe are actually fed from a natural spring called Crystal Spring, which sits on the property. And the two dominant structures are bridges. And that's how the museum derives its name. It's from the Crystal Spring and then the two bridge structures that make yeah, up the, the bu museum. The buildings are actually over the water, not, not along the banks, as might be more uh, traditional. This is right in the middle of, uh, of an Ozark forest. If you go to crystalbridge.org and click on About, you'll see an option for architecture, and you can read a bit more about the building. But it certainly is stunning. It's, it is right in the middle of a forest. Now, I know Bentonville has uh, airline service, shall we say, out of proportion to most cities that's, or most towns of the size of Bentonville. And that is because so many vendors are, are calling on Walmart uh, because they have business relationships with them. What airlines serve Bentonville and others? How do we get here is what I'm, how do we get there is what I'm saying. Well, you can fly in. You can fly direct from New York, from Chicago, from Dallas, Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, there may still be a flight from L.A., if I'm not mistaken. So it's really easy to, to get here by air. If you wanted to get in the car, we're only five hours from St. Louis, five hours from Dallas, Memphis, four hours from Kansas City. So we are really in the heart of the country, in the geographic center of the United States. So it's, it's actually pretty easy to get here. And what is in the collection? I know it's all American art, um, but what, give, give us in the minute we have left a description of what I will see when I get there. You will see five centuries of American artwork starting at the earliest period of our country's founding. Um, you'll see portraits of George Washington. You'll see um, iconic images such as Norman Rockwell's Rosie the Riveter. You'll see uh, Andy Warhol paintings. You'll see Dolly Parton by Andy Warhol. So we really just have an amazing span of artwork uh, over many generations that tell the story of America told through the eyes of artists. Interesting, interesting. It's a library, uh, excuse me, a museum I didn't know existed. Laura Jacobs is the Director of Communications with the Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. It's in Bentonville, Arkansas. It's the museum that Walmart brought you. But I say that not disparagingly at all, because from looking at the website and from listening to uh, what Ms. Jacobs had to say, it sounds like a, uh, a really worthy addition to the landscape of Arkansas and a place worthy of your visit. We're coming up to the end of the hour, but wait a minute. When we come back, we're going to talk with Dr. Todd Curtis from AirSafe, who's going to tell us about the number of times that air crashes in groups of three have occurred. Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages.
telephone number to call the program is 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, it's been a very difficult week, air crash-wise. Three commercial plane crashes. One in Asia. One in Africa, one in Eastern Europe. Unbelievable. Dr. Todd Curtis keeps an eye on these things. He is an aviation safety expert. He used to work with Boeing, helped design the seven, the 777 and the 747, Todd. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. What did you design it, help design at Boeing? I was at the, in the 777 program primarily. 777 program. Okay. And his website, airsafe, airsafe.com, uh, uh, focuses on the safety, security, and policy regarding airlines and flying. And he has... Uh, come up with some interesting numbers about the frequency of air accidents, commercial airplane accidents, occurring in groups or in bunches. I mean, this is so unusual in seven days, or it seems unusual uh, to have seven, uh, in seven days to have three uh, commercial air crashes, but it's not the first time, is it, Todd? Uh, not at all. Uh, in fact, several years ago, I asked myself the question, do plane crashes happen in threes? I've heard that, heard that all the time, and I thought, well, let's take it to a test. And I looked at my own rules for airsafe.com. When I track either a, a, a plane crash that kills someone or something else serious in the uh, aviation world, and I said, how many times have you had a situation where you've had three or more events where they're separated by 10 days or fewer? And it, I picked it out of, out of a, somewhat out of a hat because I figured 10 days, if there's a high media event, event uh, crash, It'll be in the public's mind for a week, week and a half. Sure. Over 19 years, it's happened 26 times. No. 25 times. No. That's more than it's once amazing. a year. That's, that's correct. There are only three years of the 19 years. And by the way, that's 1996 to this year, the years that Airshape.com has been active. Only three of those years did you not have at least one group of three. And 2013 was the last time it didn't happen. All right, let's just pause here for a moment and say to someone listening, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this happens every year or sometimes more than once a year. I'm guessing if you put these, arrange these as dots on a time chart or timetable, more, more, the dots would be sort of weighted to the left of that, that line, right? There's sort of more happening in the old days, I hope. Well, if I had done this back in the 70s, it would be much more frequent because okay. actually accidents were far more frequent maybe two or three times as frequent in the 70s compared to right now. Okay, that's what I was looking for. So, right. But still, the fact that I had no idea it was that many. And and frankly, I, I didn't have any idea until I sat down and did the research. I mean, is, is there a possible theory for this? I can't imagine. You, you, you'd almost think after a major airplane crash, every pilot would be highly attenuated, you know, and, ver and be on point at all times. Well, you know, I looked at that, and I actually studied some of these uh, events when I was at Boeing, and I've studied them since uh, since leaving Boeing. And I personally could not find any thread, any commonality between these. That is, if something happens on one day, does it make an accident more likely the next day or the next week? I've seen right. nothing. But, what, but one observation I did make, which is true in this case, if the first event in the series is a very, very, very high-profile event, then the whole public's attention around the world is focused on aviation. So anything that happens tends to be heightened, at least in the public's mind, after a high-profile event. True. That's yeah, a good point. Now, two of these three events this week are, are, are presumed so far to be weather-related, the Taiwan crash and the Mali crash. Um, of course, we all know Ukraine was a missile. Um, but you're right. I, I wonder how much 
ink the world press would have given to the Air Algerie crash in Mali. Most Americans can't find Mali on a map. Most Americans have never heard of uh, Air Algerie. I mean, it probably would have been a much smaller story than it was. Is that what you're getting? I would suppose that as well. Yeah, the Taiwan because, well, I mean, and the Taiwan was a turboprop too. I mean, this was, this was not a big commercial jet. It was a relatively small one. But I mean, I'm not trying to in any way diminish the seriousness of what happened. But looking at it from a press advantage and from a global eyeball watching CNN uh, perspective, you're right. The big one uh, accentuates the little ones that follow closely behind. And again, this is so rare. Accidents of any kind are so rare and sometimes so random that. You could probably look at this from a probabilistic modeling point of view and say, okay, if you have rare events, you should expect some bunching every once in a while. It just uh, That's just the way that random events work. Mm-hmm. But really, it, sometimes you would say to yourself, maybe there is something to it. Is there something that is so far not really recognized as a threat, as a risk, that somehow ties these together? Frankly, I, I don't see it, especially in this last group of three. Sure. But again, there's some of these groupings that may have something that ties them together. They're worth looking at. Well, let's hope that this particular grouping stops right here and that we don't have to deal with this anymore. I agree, too. And by the way, the biggest grouping I've ever seen was eight. It was in 2010. Eight? In ten eight days? In ten days? It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't in ten days. They were separated by ten days or fewer. Wow. Uh, so... Uh, and in January 2008, for instance, within one month, there was five, one of which involved the campaign plane of uh, Senator Barack Obama during the campaign. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, let's 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 say an amen prayer that, that it ends now. Dr. Todd Curtis is an aviation expert. Check out his site, airsafe.com. Uh, he's a frequent guest on the show, and we're happy to have him. Todd, thanks so much for dropping by. Thanks again for having me. We're coming to the end of Rudy Max's World for the first hour. If your station is leaving us, as I uh, like to say, very few stations are leaving us. But if you are, see you here again next time. Same time, same station. Otherwise, we'll take about a six-minute break. We've got a lot more travel talk coming up. Don't go away. been listening to Rudy Max's World, and as always, you're hearing must-hear radio on the SSI Radio Network.